Welcome back. This is Derek Harper. I'm here with Chad Cox. We are here for part two of our 2022 Minnesota Timberwolves season review. Uh, if you missed part one, we walked through all the players and compared them to popular 1980s movie characters. So go back and find that one. It was a, a hoot to record, and I'm sure you'll find a few references that, that match up with your viewing history there. Um, so in part two today, Chad, we're going to walk through the Timberwolves roster, and we're going to largely do a, a, a stock stock review. Do we feel like the stock of each player went up, down, or stayed the same from the beginning of the season? Where we were at and our considerations of them, what we expected of them, and where we see them moving forward. So um, I, I've I've considered this to be one of the hardest uh, exercises to do, especially with the fact that my opinion of the team as a whole has risen so much this year that yet most of the players I consider to be largely in the same realm, in the same area that I saw them in at the beginning of the season. So uh, matching that up, I think, is going to take a little bit of conversation. That's where you come in, my friend. So welcome back to Howl History. Thanks for joining me. All right. Well, yeah, I like I like the concept. Are we So we're talking our personal stocks of the yes. team, or do we think? Not or, not like national stock, not like. Okay. Not what we're we going, think like, people might think. This is, how we consi- this is how we viewed them at the beginning of the season. This is how we view them now in terms of how good are they, how good are they going to be. Where, where are they going from here from here on out? So, like, if we took, uh, you know, Nathan Knight, for example, at the beginning of the season, we looked at him and we said, hey, this could be a great signing, especially as a two-way. And now we're at the end of the season and we go, well, we don't know a whole lot more about Nathan Knight. He still could be a great signing as a two-way, but I don't know if he's going to step in and be a backup center next year. So we don't have a lot of information to, to roll from him. Uh, but I think some of these guys, we have a large sample size and we can work from that and just see kind of where they went, where their numbers took them throughout the season and just kind of discuss are we more encouraged or less encouraged by them as, as this team tries to move forward and what's their role? All right. Yeah, I dig it. All right. So like I said, I feel like our opinion of the team as a whole and our expectations for this team have risen. John Kay just came out with a large article about how the expectations are higher. Next year's going to be even tougher to, to meet and exceed those expectations. Gupta mentioned it at his end of the year press conference that as all the other teams in the Western conference take one step forward, whether that's Due to health or due to internal improvement, the Timberwolves have to take two steps forward to continue to maintain their, their level of success. Um, so, Chad, I, that's my question for you. Where are you at with the team as a whole? Uh, how much and how high have your expectations risen for them? I, so, if you look at like the top 10 teams in the West, I actually like the Wolves' future better than I like some of the teams that were ahead of us this year, including like Memphis. Mm-hmm. Like, show me where Memphis is going to get better next year desmond baines already 23 24 like he's kind of is who he is just close to what he's gonna be um, i mean he Alder, took the leap so he took the leap but yeah, yeah but what else is he gonna do and and frankly is jaw even the most crucial factor for them because they were 23 and 3 or something without jaw mm-hmm. um i think jaw is a terrific talent i don't know that he's a a um i don't want to say superstar because clearly his he's aesthetically pleasing to watch but he's not the type of guy that I would necessarily be falling over myself to build around because I don't. I think it's a really hard guy to build a team around. He's like Iverson was on the Sixers. Yeah, he's a guy you just surround with four guys that can actually play basketball and let him kind of just do what he does and hope for the best kind of guy. <laughs> like he's he's a he's not he's not a great passer. He's a good passer. He's kind of like a D-low passer. He's not a good shooter. He's not a good defender. Mm-hmm. But he's a great at the rim scorer. Yeah, as a small thinly built guy that would worry me right um, but there are other guys that are sort of finished products steven adams dylan brooks tyus jones all these other guys uh, so i think the wolves watch like they were clearly 
the more talented team in the playoffs mm-hmm. and against them. So I think the Wolves are going to be better than them. I think Dallas, again, we don't know what kind of moves these teams will make in the offseason. Dallas has the emergence of Brunson, who I think is a great player. If they keep and him around, if they sign if they him to an them. extension. Yep. And I don't know what they do if they don't, because they, all they have right now against the Suns is Luka. Yeah. And Luka is obviously better than anything we have. But as a whole, I like the Timberwolves team better than the Mavericks. Denver, you know, I mean, we didn't really see Denver's complete team because Murray was out all year and PJ was out most of the year. Um, but I like, again, Joker is better than anything we have on our team. But I would take Cat and Ant over Murray or, you know, MPJ or any of those other guys on that team right now. And so mm-hmm. I like the Wolves' future better than them. The Lakers are a train wreck. I mean, to me, if I was them, I'd blow it up. They'll probably add some other big name. I don't really worry about them. Phoenix, Phoenix isn't going to get better. They're like on borrowed time. They're going to start slowly start to regress as Chris Paul gets older or unless like a campaign or somebody kind of fill a bigger role than, than they are now. Um, but Phoenix is already the kind of the cream of the crop. The Warriors, similar to Phoenix, I, I don't see how they get better unless Wiseman really comes in and gets better. Um, so like, you're really looking at teams like the Clip- Clippers clearly will be better because they'll be healthy, right? Who else is really on that top 10 list looks like they have a brighter future to grow? Not necessarily. They might. There might be teams that are better than the Wolves next year, but will they have grown as much as the Wolves will next year? And I, I don't think there's many people or many teams in the West that even if the Wolves add nobody else, even if Vando is our starting power forward going into next year, I like the Wolves opportunity for growth better than any of the other teams in the West. Yeah. The internal growth potential there, especially with Ant and Jaden sitting where they are is, is extremely high. You know, you saw the leap that Ja took this last year. Ant has every, every opportunity to make a similar leap next year. Yeah. I'll I'll come out and say right now, I think Ja is a poor man's ant. I mean, it's possible. I mean, Ja, so we've seen, athletic high-flying point guards in the past succeed. I mean, Derek Rose did it. You know, Allen Iverson wasn't high-flying, but he used his athleticism. You know, there have been guys who have succeeded in that role. And I, it, Ja has, just has a shorter window than Ant will. And, I mean, Ant, and Ant is already a better defender. and Better shooter. Yep, he's a better shooter, he's a better defender. And if he can use... Similar passer. Ja passes more. Yeah. But their ability is similar. It's, ja doesn't have... He's not playing with two point guards in the starting lineup like Ant is, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, Ant isn't. Ant hasn't taken the leap to be at Jaw's level yet, but he has every opportunity to do so. And if we look at the skill sets and what they're capable of, I don't. There's not a good reason for Ant to not be at least at at Jaw's level moving forward. Yeah, we're, so, we're sort of go, we're sort of getting right into the Ant conversation, and I think it's appropriate for this. Yeah. Because, um, you know, this comparison, I, I would actually argue that Jaws' big step mm-hmm. that we're calling it this year is really just out of one part selfishness. Not saying he's a selfish player, but he's a little bit selfish. Like every, any, any great player has to be a little bit selfish to just to take those shots. So he's taken more shots. But the other part is his team isn't as talented around him as Ants is. Like Ant. There is no Carl Anthony Towns on the Memphis Grizzlies. No, not even close. There's not even a D'Angelo Russell on the Memphis Grizzlies. They have a, a Desmond Bain, who's a great shooter, mm-hmm. but that's the only place he's going to really score 
um, on a regular level. So I think Jaw Jaw's whole game is to drive, and then he can kick to a Desmond Bain, yep. and that's where he gets his assists. Um, but I, I, you put if you just swapped Jaw and Ant, I think you're looking at Ant as being the guy that's had multiple 45 point games in the playoffs, and Jaw being you know Jaw still being what Ant was probably here similar here. Um, I so I just I do I just really think Ant is a bigger, stronger version of jaw who i actually think is he's i think he's a better version of jaw i i know he doesn't I, it might sound a little bit premature to say it because everybody's so high on this jaw bandwagon right now yeah but and i love jaw yeah this i, I don't want to bring down jaw to i'm not bringing down jaw. Yeah. i am just yeah. saying ants i if you if if i was starting and the only year that counted for my job was this season i'm taking ant over jaw right now mm-hmm. as a 20 year old i'm taking 20 year old ant over 22 year old jaw i just damn i he's He's more reliable. Jaws misses 15, yep. 20 games a year because he's small. He's always on the floor, constantly falling down. Um, you know, I think he's easier to defend. Like, we shut him down. Like, yeah, he had big moments at the end of games when the Wolves just kind of screwed up. It wasn't like Jaw yeah. did anything different. The yeah. Wolves just played worse, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm i extremely high in Ant. So, to kind of get back to that, that yeah. what the original question yeah. is, is like... Stock up. weird... Yeah, the weird thing with Ant for me was he's also the biggest roller coaster I went on this year. Yeah. Um, not that I was ever like off the train with Ant, but he would have games that we would lose because of Ant, um, because he would try to take over at the end. He didn't have the basketball awareness that I was hoping he would have. Mm-hmm. And that, the, the, so that was the downside, but that might turn out to be a positive because he might turn out to be. Kobe Bryant. Kobe did the exact same things when he had Shaq on his team and yep. stuff early. Um, he would be like stubborn and wanting to be the guy in the closing moments and he would fail early in his career. Um, and you're like, what are you doing? You have Shaquille O'Neal, the most dominant force the NBA's ever seen. Just pass him the ball. Well, and it's, you know, not that Cat was Shaq, but he was like he's a generational offensive talent. Yeah. And I I would be pulling my hair out. Why are you not passing the ball? Why is Cat not getting any touches in the last eight minutes of a game? Um, but that might pay dividends next year and the year after and the mm-hmm. year after is Ant becomes one of those, you know, um, elite game closers for us. So that's why the roller coaster, like, cause I'd be down in the moment. Right. Right. And then the next day I'd be like, okay, well the bigger picture here, this might be a good thing. Ant always says the right thing. He cost us like one of the games in the playoffs. I was really frustrated. That was the night we had our group chat uh, when you and I hijacked it. And, then the next day I see his his interview with the press and he's taking all the blame on himself saying I have I sleep great at night when I miss the shot because I know I can get better like mm-hmm. and so I love that attitude like he I've never watched an interview and go oof right like cringe at anything he's ever said I do that two or three times every time cat talks oh yeah everybody does but um yeah and, at and this point, other... we're just used to it, and it's just who Cat is. But if you're coming in new to Cat, if you're just experiencing what he's one of his press conferences for the first time, it's just super turn. It turns you off immediately. Yeah, and I don't think it's who Cat really is. I think Cat's playing a character. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that yeah. I I just think Cat's trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah, um, he's got this strong desire to be loved, and I don't think that's a bad human trait. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit annoying as a basketball fan when you just want him to be who he is, um, you know, because I, I think he's he's awesome at who he actually is and just be that guy. But he's also like trying to hold off this giant charismatic force 
from taking over the team, which is Ant. And right. it, that's going to happen. There is no – the fans have already turned. There are, yeah, right. Most fans already like Ant better. And it's a little bit frustrating for me because, like, they kind of crap on Cat or downplay Cat. And Cat's still so much better as a player than Ant that I think that's a little bit short-sighted. But I get it because Ant is also my favorite player on the team <laughs> like, because of all the things we just said about his, his charisma, the, the style of game he plays. Um, you know, he's just he's just awesome. Like, we're so lucky to have him. Um, so, yeah, overall, my stock is, is higher on Ant. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I think when we came into the season, we did a, an episode where we talked about what our expectations were for each of the players, what we wanted to see out of them. And um, if I remember correctly, my my main request from him was not necessarily to take another leap. It was to take what he did for the, the last 25, 30 games of last season, where he completely changed his game. He was a whole nother level of player and sustained that through a whole 82 game season. It was because he had taken a leap. He took a leap mm-hmm. from the first half to the second half of his rookie season. And then just to prove that that wasn't a a small sample size, that that wasn't a defenses are trying less hard because it's the end of the season and guys are resting, whatever it happened to be. Like we need, especially, I mean, like this is a whole team thing to take the end of last season and bring it forth into this season. So if, if Ant could have come in this year and performed at that level for an entire season, then you know that is the new baseline. Like that's the floor moving forward. And even if the, what even if this year's Ant was the only Ant that we get moving forward, like they still made the right pick with that number one overall pick. So, so do you, but do you think he he did what you wanted him to do? So last I year, th- I think year? he did. I think he took that second half of last season and like I don't think he made a giant leap from that nope. time to this time. But he averaged you know twenty one point three points, four point eight rebounds, three point eight assists, and most importantly, he jumped he bumped his shooting percentages up, which made a, a large change in his efficiency. He was he went from forty eight percent to fifty two percent on two pointers. He went from thirty three percent to thirty six percent on three pointers. His free throw percentage even went up by a percentage. It was so like. As a shooter, I mean, he came in. They asked him at, at media day, what did you work on? What did you improve on? He said, shooting. I worked on my shooting. I'm a good shooter. And I think through the first few games of the season, that didn't prove itself out. And everybody was skeptical that he was, you know, that he was just focused on his three-point shooting. And I, that was a cause of a lot of consternation about what, you know, what his shot mix looked like, getting to the rim, taking three-pointer, whatever it happened to look like. And um, But throughout the course of a season, he was... A 36% three-pointer point shooter on one of the highest volumes in the league. It took 8.4 of them a game. And that came down as the end of the season ended. And his numbers, I would bet, looked much better. His career lo- or his season-long numbers looked much better a month before the end of the season because he had that those knee issues. He had that kind of swoon there at the end. But then, when, like he said, when the lights turned on, he showed up. And the play-in game, the six-game playoff, yeah, he had moments where he would hijack a game or he would make dumb decisions or he'd dribble into a shot that wasn't the best run offense. But he scored more points in the playoff series than anybody else, you know, under the age of 21. He he showed up. He you know, whatever you wanted out of Ant, whatever your expectations were for that series, he 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 delivered. And taking that baseline, that that level of what he performed this year and bringing it forward, I think that's the new starting point and it can it's only going to go up from here. So well, and, and Chris Finch kind of had a, at the season uh, ending interviews or whatever, a similar quote, which I liked. You know, he said, if Ant goes away this year and adds nothing to his game, we're happy. Right. We just want him to get better at the things he does. He goes, last year, at the end of the season, they were wondering if his shooting was a real. 
They're mm-hmm. like, can he really be this good of a shooter? He goes, it's real. Like he's yeah. he's a good shooter in this league. He goes, he still takes dumb shots. Yeah, that aren't. And if he is smarter about the shots he takes, that's only going to get better. But his ability is unquestionably already there. Um, his defense, as Finch pointed out, in the playoffs was so much better than his defense was in the regular season. He's, that's now his baseline. Now we know he can play defense, and we're going to make sure that that's what he does going into next year. So those are the things you look at. And you know, we, you and I talked, I think even on the last episode, uh, briefly, or two episodes back now, about maybe him adding more of a mid-range to his game. Um, those are those are things I don't think are going to be hard for Ant to add. I mean, and like, that, that's the thing. He is so good, and yet the things that can make him take him to the next level are so easy to identify. Yeah, like and this so is, easy to uh, achieve right. with what he's already achieved. The right. things he's achieved are the harder things to achieve, right? Yeah. Like, And that's where I think that's the, the part you. it's hard for people to put their finger on what makes him special because mm-hmm. he's doing things at 20 years old that it take, it took other stars three, four, five more years to be able to do the things that ants doing yeah. what they were good at were the things that are actually easier at 20 years old than an ant just kind of did an end around those things, the mid range game, the, you know, some yeah. of that, yeah. um, just kind of playing within the flow. Like, you know, he, he, he's taken the Kobe route. He's taken the harder route. Um, again, I'm not saying he, he's going to be Kobe, but I'm, I'm throwing out Kobe more now than when he was a rookie. I was throwing out Dwayne Wade or Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. He's past Mitchell in my eyes. Yeah. He's encroaching on Dwayne Wade. And to, I mean, so, so Wade is a really tough comparison. To he is. Because he's old. a better. I actually like his overall game better than Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. For Dwayne Wade. But I just mean sort of like the start. Like, they're, I'm not saying their games are similar because Wade's a better pass or whatever. But Wade, I mean, Wade was, was also significantly older when he started as a rookie. He was. So that, that, that's the biggest difference when you try to compare those two. Like, Kobe came in. They took the same path. They were both young. They both, you know, yep. 19 years Andrew. old, whatever happened to be. Wade came in after three, four years of college. and right. He's a finished he, product almost. Right. By year two, he was an all-NBA player. So, yeah. um, and I mean, if you look at Ant, how, how good is he going to be when he's 23? I, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah. I mean, so. I, I, I said this to a friend out of Dallas who's a giant Luca mm-hmm. fan, and we were talking about Ant. He, he, as a Dallas person, is like enamored with Ant as well and thinks Ant's one of the guys. And we were, he was asking me if, if I was happy that we still, that we took Ant over LaMelo. And I'm like, this, what I said to him, this was mid year this year. I said, yeah. the argument of whether or not it, the Ant versus Melo, that argument's not even, people aren't even going to be talking about that in a year. It's going to be Ant or Luca right. and or jaw I said mid-year yeah right um, and it's already we're, we were just spent how many how many minutes talking about Luke or uh ant versus jaw but I really think it's it's face of the NBA yeah or ant that's his ceiling now it's not face of the team it's face of the NBA he's going to be one of those three or four or five stars that the league is plastering on ESPN two nights a week mm-hmm. um I I really think that that's future him you know and that's I don't know how you get higher stock, right? Than that, I mean, if right? if you look at at what we've seen out of Dame for the past six years, like that's the level, like that's the level of stardom to expect from Ant at this level during his peak. Like he could exceed that. He could move into the. I'm not going to say he's going to move into the LeBron range because that's just an unrealistic expectation with yeah, how he's bounced around and how he's controlled that's the league. Rushmore. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he might not even be a Kevin Durant, but if you take a look at, you know, the fourth through 10th best players in the league and how they've controlled the narrative and how they've just been marketed, like, 
that's just that's the expectation for Ant now in ter- moving forward. So if he's going to be in that next generation, that new wave of of superstars, you know, I think that we have to admit that our expectations and his stock is still going up. So I think you know we've kind of settled there. And um, let's take let's take a more of a difficult path and uh, and go with D'Angelo Russell. Where are we at now versus where we were at at the beginning of the season? And that's I know we're down on him right now at least in comparison to where we were at in the middle of the season when he was playing so well through January and February but he's had a very roller coaster season he started down he moved up he came back down again and I don't know if we were even super high on him or his fit heading into the season so if you look back nine months where are you now in comparison to a year ago with D'Lo I mean I think it is down uh, D'Lo is difficult for me because I also you know I said this to you privately at least. I don't think we talked about it here, but I, I really think D'Lo deserves credit for nobody on this team has sacrificed their own game mm-hmm. more than D'Lo. You know, you could make the argument Beasley, but not really. Beasley's still chucking up yep. nine three-pointers a game. In 20 minutes, bench. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did he sacrifice? Beverly actually took more of the pie for himself, yep. and I think that's part of the reason why we've seen less out of D'Lo. And D'Lo, to his credit, didn't piss and moan about it, <laughs> which he could have. I, to be honest, my expectation of D'Lo would have been that. Yeah, that would have been that was my perception of who he was as a person was sort of a guy that's going to express his feelings, good, bad, or indifferent. And I thought he was more reserved. Even at the end of the season, his end of the season interview, he chose. You know what? I'm not going to answer that question because I don't want it to come off the wrong way, and it might be too fresh, too fresh, too raw. I I want to think about it some more before I give a an answer on that. I really appreciate that. Like when we talked about how I never cringe at anything. Ant says, right. I never cringe at anything Delo says, even if it's hard to hear sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like when he talked about the quiet ass fans right. in Minnesota, I thought the man's fans handled it great. They, they embrace it. So the reason why I'm down is that I think his fits become more problematic. Yeah. As we realize Beverly had more left to provide a team and carved out a bigger role than I think even the most diehard. Beverly fans at the beginning of the season. Now everybody's a diehard Beverly fan. I get mm-hmm. it. But at the beginning of the season, it was like, I was, the Beverly trade was probably the most shocked I've ever been on a Timberwolves trade. Right. Like when I was like, what? We got Patrick Beverly. And I was like, scratching my head. Why are people not giving this the attention it deserves? Like on the media. And stuff. Yeah. I just was like, to me, that's a blockbuster trade. Like that Beverly is a, that is is a blind spot. Like winner. Yeah. That was a blind spot trade for, 80% of the NBA media just yeah, saying this guy so was weird. taken like, six overall. They're giving up on him for a guy that has now been traded twice this offseason. Like whatever it happened to be, that was anybody in Minnesota knew that that was going to be a home run. It was so, so bizarre to me that it wasn't a bigger deal, but we got him. And even for me being that shocked and thinking it was that big of a deal, I was still not expecting him to have such a huge role on this team. Yeah. And that role came at even more of the at the expense of D'Angelo Russell. Like D'Angelo Russell is playing with another point guard in the starting lineup, which is supposed to be his job. Yep. He's playing with another ball dominant guard in yep. the lineup, which is supposed to be his job. Um, Beverly has over the course of the season became a ball dominant guard. Right. Which ate into what D'Lo did. And you can make the argument if you're a D'Lo hater that those guys did that because D'Lo wasn't performing. But I think D'Lo, if you look back like the height of the D'Lo season was that Philadelphia game. He put that team on his shoulders and won that game in Philadelphia. Shut up the Philadelphia fans. You know, 
all those things. That was the peak D'Lo. I think fans, because of his salary, were expecting him to do that two out of every three games. And that's just, I don't think that's realistic. And I really don't think it's realistic for this this current team. So I think the stock is down because I think they have to find a better way to get him to fit. I think he loves Chris Finch. I think Chris Finch loves him. Although I think that relationship might be a little bit icier right now because he didn't get on the floor in the the final game, the mm-hmm. closing minutes. They went with Jordan McLaughlin, which was the right decision. Although I think they should have gone with McLaughlin over Beverly, not McLaughlin over D'Lo because Beverly does nothing for you in the clutch sure. on yeah. offense. Um, and we needed points. We didn't need stops. And frankly, Beverly wasn't getting the stops either. So I actually wanted to see McLaughlin and D'Lo paired together. I think I even texted that to you during the game. Um, so I, there might be some issues there that they have to iron out. But I do, the optimist in me says, I think Finch will tweak the system to make it work better for D'Lo. D'Lo was also the first starter to go to the bench throughout the season. Yep. And then played the most minutes with bench players, which was one of the, the highlights and the strengths of our season this year was our the success of our bench. And a lot of that credit should go to D'Lo mm-hmm. because D'Lo was the one that kind of kept that thing running. Um, and so it's a he's another one that's weird for me because it's kind of up and down. I think the body of work is slightly down. And I'm also a guy that's like, the salary is what the salary is. You got to put that aside. Like you, We could talk about salary when we talk about D'Lo. Do you re-sign him? That's a different conversation about yeah. to what D'Lo is and what he did for the team and what um like what his fit is in terms of like like what he can provide on the court not what his money yeah in that i think that's two different discussions S- certainly i don't want to pay him max dollars for what what he is on this team and he might not want to be what he is on this team so that might be a conversation anyway but i so the optimist in me i do think i would hold on delo because you'd be selling low now mm-hmm. and go into the season with a little bit more, a few more wrinkles to the offense that gets him in a position to be more successful um, and have more of a role than what, you know, he had this year. And I think that's okay. But as a body for 21-22 season, I don't know how you can say you're, it was his stocks up. I mean, it's right. at the lowest it's been since he's been on the Wolves team. Yeah. And some of that's fair, some of it's not. It's been tough. And I mean, like you said, when we get into the do you extend him conversation, a lot of that is going to come from the conversation we're having right now with his fit on the team, his role is moving forward and whether or not you can get for him. Right. What what you can get for him or or is just letting him walk the right answer, you know, and I but I think there's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, like you said, his usage rate is the lowest that has been since his rookie year. Um, But his I mean, it's, it's an imperfect stat and it's one of many. All encompassing, all encompassing stats, but you know, BasketballReference.com's, you know, win shares, win shares per forty-eight is the highest it's been in his career, even higher, higher than his All-Star season because of the way the team played when he was on the floor. The team played good defense when he was on the floor. They played good offense when he, on, when he was on the floor. It's been a very, very hard season for myself as a fan. Like I'm not, I'm not a tape reviewer i'm not somebody who's i've never been a coach i'm not going to go in and understand exactly all of the little impacts he's making but we've known and it's been debated to death that his impact has been larger this year than his individual numbers would represent and it's weird because i think even when that beverly trade came down what minnesota fans thought beverly would actually be the the bigger contributor silently that you wouldn't see it in the in the 
in the stats and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think Beverly contributed a ton more than what he did on the court, which was really high. So it's not to detract from what Beverly did, but because I think Beverly outperformed in game what people thought he would. Yeah. I thought the, the the culture that Beverly would bring would be more of what uh, or would would be more bigger than what it is. I actually think D'Lo the culture he brought to the team. Like you said, the defense was better when he was on the floor. Well, that's because he was the best communicator on the yep. floor. He put everybody in the right position. Like all these little things that don't show up in the stat sheet apply to D'Lo, not to a guy like Beverly. Like I would have expected at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. I would have anticipated having this conversation about Beverly, like looking at his stats saying, oh, he only averaged just under nine points a game and under, you know, right around five assists a game. And, you know, he was shooting 36% and whatever. These These stats that don't look great, and I don't even know what it, I'm just making yeah. up stats yeah, yeah, yeah. of what I what I would have expected Beverly to have going into the year, and that his stats not look great. But in us having this conversation, well, we can't let him go because look at all the things he does at the intangibles that you can't see in a box score. That's actually how I feel about Belo, and that it's weird that they've done this role reversal where Beverly's his game's loud, you know, and his impact is you know substantial, but it's not the most substantial thing he brings to the table. Delo is. His intangibles are the most substantial thing I think he brought this year. Yeah, and I think that's—I mean—that's going to be the hard decision for Gupta or whoever's in that lead decision-making role moving forward to understand: does his personality balance out the other personalities in a way that makes him valuable, and does do the little things that he does during the regular season to improve his team? Can they be tweaked so that they become just as impactful in, in the postseason? And like. If we're talking about Ant and the clear paths to an upgrade moving into next season and, and beyond, like we just have to admit that D'Lo shot like crap this year. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. he had a good stretch in the middle, but the beginning of the season was awful. The end of the season was awful. His three-point percentage was at 34%, which was higher than I thought it was going to end up at. Um, but his two-point two percentage was at 49%, which once it was somehow is like the highest of his career. And like, I remember watching so many games where he just could not make a shot and yet his numbers ended up being average. Yet I feel like there was so much room for growth there. Well, he's also one of those guys, though, unlike Ant, where if his shot's not falling, you don't see a three for 18 night right. out of D'Lo. Yeah. You know, he's not that kind of guy. And I actually think it's important to have a guy. It's like, so we, we know who our top two stars are. Mm-hmm. We know who they're going to be the foresee- for the foreseeable future. It's going to be Towns and Ant. And these are two offensive juggernauts. Like, on any team they would go to, they would be one, the first or second option on offense. Yep. They just would based on their skill set, right? So what do you want that third star to be? And I'm not saying Delo's the perfect third star to those two. I, I'm not. But we've seen in Brooklyn it doesn't work with a Kyrie, a Harden, and a Durant. You can't have three offensive juggernauts right. be your three stars. Uh, you need some other thing. It's the same reason, the same argument we had last year about Philly – where when they were dumping on Simmons, it's like, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what about Tobias Harris? Where's the hate on right, him? Right. He makes more than both those guys, and he didn't show up in the playoffs any more than Ben Simmons. In fact, he didn't do anything yeah. in the playoffs. Simmons at least was playing defense. He was getting assists. He was getting rebounds. Tobias was just a shooter that didn't deliver. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's like that with with the Wolves. Whereas D'Lo didn't deliver on the shooting. He didn't. He wasn't the scorer that everybody wanted when he came from Golden State. He, but he did. He had his career high in assists, which I think was one of my predictions mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season for the year. He played good defense. He had the you know one of the top clutch numbers in the league this season. You know he delivered on a bunch of things that we didn't necessarily anticipate him delivering on. Right. 
So, it, like you said, he's a hard one to evaluate. It's going to be difficult to... It, it's going to be difficult for anybody to make a decision on where he stands moving forward. And the right decision probably is to go into next season with him on the roster and see where we go from here. Because unless there's a clear path to upgrade a point guard, you can't just dump him. You can't go move into next year with Patrick Beverly and Jordan McLaughlin as your two point guards. And you can't even go into next year with Tyus Jones and Jordan McLaughlin as your two point guards. Because that's not solving your problem of being more successful in the playoffs. Like D'Lo got exposed. But so would anybody that is below D'Lo's level. So unless you unless you can find a way to not only use D'Lo to upgrade a power forward, but also bring in an at-the-level or higher replacement for D'Lo, like, it just doesn't make sense. So, that I mean, that's the difficult decision that they're going to have to make. Well, and the other quote that Finch had about D'Lo that I liked was, talking about the playoff series, was that Memphis, he averaged 31 a game in the mm-hmm. four regular season games against Memphis. And... Um, Finch said they put Dylan Brooks on him for the entire season, yeah. or the entire series, yep. to shut that down, to take him out of that. And yeah, the Wolves didn't adjust. You know, they, they Memphis dared Ant to beat them. They put Desmond Bain and Jaw on on Ant, or mostly Bain. It yep. was very little yep. Jaw because whenever Jaw was on there, they sent help. They knew Jaw couldn't right. stop him. They put Jaw and Beverly. You know, they tried to hide him over there. Yep, yep, yep. and. And so Ant did what Ant was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That could have very easily been the other. We could have been talking about Ant having a really tough playoff stretch if Memphis only decided to put Dylan Brooks on Ant. Right. Allison D'Lo has a great series. You know, like, so it's hard to put too much into one series. It because is. It is really. You can game plan to stop one yep. player in a series. It's it's happening. Look at Jaron Jackson Jr. had a great game one mm-hmm. as soon as he got out of that Minnesota series. Ja had a 47 point like jaws having a much better series against golden state than he did against us because their golden state's playing there differently yeah. right and, so, and minnesota played memphis differently where we tried to take out jackson and Ja, and we let right. the role players kill us exactly yeah so i mean we got to move on to carl we, we're gonna get way too long-winded if we take 15 minutes I, to play, but I think, but... yeah no and i think the other ones would be less time it's, yeah the Devo one was a big one because we've He's he's the biggest conversation for moving forward. Carl's yeah. going to be here. Ant is going to be here. And unless there's an all-NBA player available, Jaden's going to be here. And the rest of the players are largely role players. So D'Lo is the one player who is not a role player, but you don't know what his future looks like. And he's so, the most divisive right now yep. in terms of the fans. So. so I get it. So, I mean, Carl, I think, is the easiest one in that, of course, his stock is up from where it was a year ago. He prove that he can continue to do the things that he's done on a winning team. He can improve at defense, especially with a different scheme. And he's back in the All-NBA conversation. Now, would he be an All-NBA player if... I mean, would he... Not, not would he be an All-NBA player. Would he have gotten the votes for All-NBA if Bam Adebayo had been healthy all season? Or if a couple of these other players hadn't missed significant time? Maybe he misses out slightly, but he is back in the top centers in the game conversation. And that was a... That was a challenge for these last couple of years when minnesota wasn't winning when he was in when he was hurt and he was taking a significant step back so i think that cat's stock is up and i could go through all the numbers in the world but i don't think they would really reflect how strong of a season he had yeah it's weird for me i would actually say he's the same for me and yeah. and that might be because i was over um evaluating him before sure. i actually think the only reason why he's in the all nba conversation now and in the best center in the league conversation now is because the team won. Yeah. I think he's been the most consistent player since Garnett in this franchise's history. Like he's been, cat's been cat pretty much like, yeah, his numbers have gone up a little bit in some areas, not quite as high as the other areas, mm-hmm. 
but in areas they were already high. Like his defense took a step this year for sure. Like that you have to give him. But I, like I think he's rebounded better in other seasons. I think he's frankly I think he's scored better as a whole in other seasons like because he's been done it from different spots and whatever. But he like his stock is was was extremely high for me going into the year. Yep. It's still extremely high. I think I keep saying he's I to me he's a generational offensive talent. He's a better career effective field goal percentage than Kevin Durant, who I think is overrated, but I think is good and to great. And I think people, you know, talk about him on should be in the Rushmore of basketball. I, I think that's blasphemy. <laughs> but when you talk about that and then you look and see, well, Carl Anthony Towns is actually better at what you're telling me Kevin Durant does. Yeah. Well, then why, where is that talk for Carl Anthony Towns? So like, that's where my stock was for him. So it's hard to say it's gone up. I, I definitely think nationally it's gone up because yeah. he's proven he can win. He's, you know, all these different things. Uh, but I think that's the only difference is that the team record. He's had better teammates this year than he's had at any point in his career. I mean, the, the big two big differences, like you said, is, is the winning, which he's only had one other time in his career. And that's the other time he did make all NBA. And health, because the last time he was healthy for a full season, which was the year after, the year they traded Jimmy away, he didn't make all NBA, and that ended up costing him a lot of money. But he was he was right there with Gobert, and it was that was a probably a statistical best season, right? You know, he he had a huge close to that season in 2018, 19. He was still an All Star. He was still at that level, and yeah, he took a step back in terms of reputation, whether it was on the defensive end or not keeping up with his peers. You know, or over the last Jimmy two Butler's years, or yeah, or Jimmy Butler's and... doing what he did over 2019, 20, and 2020, 21. But he played 85 combined games over those two seasons, so he's not even going to. He didn't even have the chance to change to fight back against any of those reputations. He had strong starts to the season, and then he missed long periods of time. And then he'd come back, and he would have a lull. It would be great again, and that was just hard. So he played 74 games this season. He missed some time with COVID again, and he was largely there the whole year. Their defense was improved. The team won, and I think if Carl is on your team, I mean. And when we talked at the beginning of the year about what our expectation is, especially picking the over on the Timberwolves winning, we straight up said, like, if Carl is healthy, they're going to win more than 34 games. Right. Like, right. that was the determination, and it proved itself out. So they do have more talent. They had they found a better scheme for him. Finch, you know, worked his magic. But yeah, Carl is Carl, is Carl and he's continued to be Carl, and they just used him in a slightly different way. So mm-hmm. um, I agree with you that it, he is who we thought he was, you know, to, to you know, to use a Denny, Denny Green. Green term. But um, but I, at least in terms of confidence in confidence in him being here and being a part of this team, not only for the last seven years but for the next seven years, I think that has gone up. And 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 I think he's one of those guys. Like he does a lot of harebrained things on the court and if he cleans that up he can be a top five or six player in the league yeah i mean if he just can attack the double teams the way he did in stretches you remember the early beginning of the year mm-hmm. the way that clippers in new orleans defended him and, and yeah, all he, of a sudden he they, grew throughout the year he had yeah. to and yeah. we had this go fast carl approach yeah. and then he started hey, again another quote that i'll take with finch this is why i love chris finch as a coach because everything he says makes sense and you're like you're like ah. Oh, yeah, I think he's dead on on that. One of the things he said was that they had mixed messages for Carl yeah. about how to how to get through these things, and that 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 might have played into some of the um, 
the the slowness for him to react in the playoffs, for example. Like he's like, well, one time we certain situations we'd be telling him go fast. Mm-hmm. Other times we're saying be patient, let the guys get to their spots, you know. And 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 then the free flowing offense guys weren't didn't have specific spots, so right. it's a little bit harder for Carl to pass out of a double team than for Joker because Joker knows, okay, I'm in a double team. This guy's here. This guy's here. This guy's there. When Carl's on double team, there might be two guys standing hip to you know. Right. Right. touched at the hip on one corner and he he has no idea where guys are going to be because it's like this free-flowing thing so um you know i still think there's a, there's room for improvement for carl which is what you need for a guy's stock to continue to go up and but i also think he's was already extremely high yeah i mean if he doesn't improve you're still signing him to that contract extension at the supermax and you're walking away like if even if they told you he this is the player he's going to be for the next six years do you want to pay him 45 to 50 million a year to do that you take a look at the rising cap and you take a look at his what he's given you and you say yes we want carl on the team yeah to me it's even a simpler it's not even about the money it's like well you don't have a franchise if you don't have right yeah yeah i mean you're back to where you were you're 20 years away from a playoff run again yeah so honestly you keep carl and carl is a part of the timberwolves and whether or not people say trade cat after one bad playoff game like you can't do that i mean you just gotta he is the core of this team so and Ant's trying to get there. So let's move on to everybody else's uh, fourth favorite player or most favorite player or the, the last remaining member of the, the core moving forward, Jaden McDaniels. Um, as we mentioned uh, in our previous uh, season review and our, our movie mashup here, we he had a, str- a rough start to the season. And I know that you identified some things in how he was being used and it was largely due to fouls and his uh, inability to just stay on the floor and be consistent. But um he turned it around. He had a very strong second half of the season. He proved once again to have the potential that we saw heading into this season. So there was really nothing to say he can't still get where we wanted him to get to. Um, I I think we had a little bit higher hopes coming into the season that he would take a little bit of a quicker leap. Um, there was no Scottie Pippen light. You know, there was no... He, he, he was still a bench player throughout the year. They couldn't quite find that starting lineup with him in it, which I know we're both hoping for is one of the outcomes of next year of this offseason that he can do what needs to be done to slide into that starting small forward role. But um, so I don't know if he met the enormously high expectations that probably the franchise placed on him throughout the offseason and how much Chris Finch talked about him. But I still think it was a very positive year. And if you look at where he's going, there's nothing to say he can't still get where we want him to be. I mean, I agree with that. I, obviously, I'm higher on him and have been higher on him than you all along. Mm-hmm. Like, I, he's my second favorite player on the team. Like, yeah. he's, I, I'm almost as high on him and his future as I am on Ant. Not that I think he's going to be the next Kobe Bryant. Like, I think Ant can be, um, but I do think he's will be just as important to this franchise's success or lack thereof as Ant will be, and that's because he's clearly a better defender. He's, I still say he's an elite NBA defender. Um, I think he, his three point shot did develop over the course of the year to the point where if it keeps getting better at this rate, he's an impossible guy to guard as a catch and shoot three, because he's so long. I think the lack of a success, I think when you say he, he um, didn't do what we wanted him to do in terms of cracking the starting lineup. I think largely that was, based on the role they tried to put him in. He didn't fail at being a starter. He failed at being the starting power forward. Mm-hmm. And that was something that we, you and I both agreed at the beginning of the year that we didn't want him to be because yep. he was, you know, 130 pounds. <laughs> like he, he, if I think 
the starting lineup was what the starting lineup was, and it was very successful. It was the highest scoring starting five in basketball. But I also think it would have been just as effective if you would, and maybe better for guys like D'Lo, if it was D'Lo, Ant, Jaden, Vando, Cat. Yep. I think that starting five would have also been really good. We didn't see hardly any of that, um, just because Beverly was a force this year, and he, Beverly earned starters minutes. Um, and so I don't, I don't necessarily look at that as Jaden coming up short. I just look at it as, like, so I guess my, the short answer is the stock is up. Yeah. The stock was high for me at the beginning of the year and it's still up. Um, I think he, and I wasn't really disappointed at any stretch, to be honest with you. I was, there was never a time where I was like, oh, come on, Jaden. If anything, like when his struggles, I was like, come on, why are you guys just treating him like a PJ Tucker? He's mm-hmm. not PJ Tucker. You know, like I just felt like he was being misused for the first half of the season. And when he finally, started getting some different actions on offense and his, his confidence started to grow from like the all-star point on, he was a monster. Like, yeah. and like in the playoffs, he wasn't even in fall trouble. Like he was one of the most, um, uh, one of the best players on the court in the playoffs. Like if you went into that Memphis series and most people didn't even think we should have won a game, not, I'm not talking Minnesota fans, but nationally they thought Stephen A. Smith of the world thought it should be a sweep. And we clearly look like the better team. And oftentimes in those stretches, Jaden looked like every bit as good as any other player on that court. That's saying something. There's a lot of young, good, you know, stars on that in that series. And so, yeah, I can't say enough of how high I am, Jaden McDaniels. It didn't change. Yeah, I mean, I we talked in our uh, last recording uh, right after the season. I guess right before the game six um, about how excited I get to see. Jaden and Vando on the on the floor at the same time just for the defense not necessarily for the offense I don't think that ever um, goes super well offensively but just to see that amount of length and that amount of perimeter defense on the floor especially if you have Ant out there too um, that protects Carl that protects anybody else on the floor and it's something that we've never really had Um, so yeah I think growth is not linear you're always going to have peaks and valleys, especially in, in a young player's career. He's only 21. You know, he's slightly older than Ant, but he's still super young. And he's, you know, he's two years into in his, in his career. And if you would look at a game log, if you look at him every single game, he's going to have ups and downs. Even month to month, he's going to have ups and downs. But at least in terms of where he started when he got drafted to the end of his rookie year, to the end of his sophomore year, I think that arrow is pointing up. And um, if that can start being... You know, if we can start getting some compounding interest on Jaden, if he can start closing out the things that are going to allow that that angle to to turn up even more, I think I think it's there. So um, I'm excited for him. I, I like like you said, I you've always been higher on him or higher on stick with him no matter what than I have. I'm, I've been a little bit more reactionary. Um, yeah, he, he's still on my untradeable list. Yeah, like and my he, untradeable list is short. It's Ant, Jaden, Cat. Right. That's it. But I there's I can't fathom a guy in the league that we would actually be offered. Like, yeah, if you offer me Giannis for Jaden and some package for Jaden, sure. But like barring any sort of like crazy mm-hmm. offer from some other team, there's I can't fathom a guy. Like, you know, we talked two episodes ago about the Brogdon and Miles yeah. Turner. I, I wouldn't trade Jaden for either of those guys straight up. I don't think either of those guys are as good as Jaden yeah. now, let alone in the future. So I that's how high I am on Jaden. He just, unless you're going to give me a top 15 player, 
that still has some tread left on the tires, I'm not interested in trading for. Yeah, and I think that's a thought exercise I continue to try to bring up every time the the trade dealer conversation happens or go get this guy conversation happens. Is is that Jaden just finds himself in the spot where he's the only... Like and he like you said in your mind he is not a trade piece like he's not somebody that you would even talk about. And in addition, I'll add one other thing. I'm not as down a uh, down enough on Delo to give up an asset. Like I'm not even know I don't even know for sure if I'm like I actually in fact I know I'm not. I wouldn't even give a first round pick just to get rid of Delo. No, no, no I, would I wouldn't give, either. Yeah, I would give yeah. up a first round pick to get something of value that yeah. I like back. Yep. But I you know again. Yeah. Like I've always said to you in, in those scenarios, show me a trade that comes anywhere close to being as enticing as having Jane McDaniels for the next 15 years on the squad, and we can talk. Yeah. I just And I, I think that's been the thought exercise, has been when somebody brings up trade D'Lo for, for uh, Brogdon and Miles Turner, D'Lo and Scraps, like, that value is not there. No matter what you think of D'Lo, the value is not there for Indiana to do that for any shape or reason, unless they're just trying to dump salary. And we don't have... There's nothing... There's nothing be at as we continue through this conversation. There's nothing on the rest of this roster that we're going to talk about for the rest of this episode that's going to close that gap. Like it's got to be one of these top guys, and it's really more of an exercise to say just like slow down on the trade talk because you don't want to trade Jaden, and they're not doing it without Jaden. And I think that's the same spot we were in a year ago with Ben Simmons. You know, Minnesota doesn't want to include Jaden in that conversation. They might have. They probably included him in, the, in some of their offers. You know, whether that would be foolish or not, seeing where Ben Simmons has gone is is to be determined. But um, but Minnesota isn't going to include Jaden in any offers, and there aren't going to be any teams that are going to give you significant value back for D'Lo and even Beasley if you wanted to make that offer. So I think we need to start taking a, a more realistic look at this roster moving forward and that this offseason might be slower than we want it to be. You know, they might need to come from internal progression because I don't see an avenue towards no, bringing I, in. And this is why I wasn't yeah. disappointed at the trade deadline. I there's, I, I don't, I don't think we need an upgrade as bad bad enough to trade away Jaden. Like like I said, look, if some other team doesn't want to give us Turner and Brogdon for D'Lo and make it up, you know, Nas yeah. or something, that's fine. I don't want to give you those guys for them either. Right. <laughs> like I, I'm not like I would. I don't think Brogdon's any better than D'Lo. And I think Turner poses more challenges for fit than what we have. I like, I'm a big Turner fan. Yeah. And I, I liked the idea of getting him last year when it wasn't for Jaden and D'Lo. And it was more for like Beasley mm-hmm. and something. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I still would do that. And I do think there's there's avenues to trade Beasley. Because I do think Be- Beasley does offer some value to teams. Because he is such, there's only a few guys that can hit threes at the rate that like Beasley does. So I think there is value for trading him there, but there's just, I'm not down enough on D'Lo to include Jaden. And I, I, you know, there's not enough coming back to me in any of these plausible yeah. scenarios yeah. where I would ever trade Jaden for him. I, I think Jaden already is as valuable to, as most of those guys that we'd be getting back. And Jaden's 21 and they're 29, 30 years old. Like I just, no thanks. Yep. All right. So we are more long winded than I think even we thought we would be. So I'm going to make the executive decision that this is now a three part season review podcast. And we are going to take a break here and we will be back in a few days to talk about the rest of the Timberwolves roster. Uh, None of the conversations, I believe, will take as long as this one. But we still have quite a few players to work our way through. So uh, thank you once again for joining us uh, for Howell History. We've uh, had a blast taking a look at one of the most successful seasons in Timberwolves history. This only the 
the this is the second most games they've ever won in a single postseason. So let's be excited about that. And uh, we'll be back to, to review the rest of the roster. So, Chad, thanks for joining me again. I'll see you soon. Sounds good, man. All right, buddy. See ya. See ya.